What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 102, I think, or something like that. I don't know. There's a bunch of episodes anyway, but I got my man, John Meadows, here. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. So for everybody watching, this is a regular coaching call. I contacted John. I've been um, kind of doing my own thing in the off-season, perma-bulking, eating ice cream, pizza, and... Uh, I think it's time to shred down a little bit. So I called John because John always helps me out with this kind of thing. So we're going to start working together and see what you can do with what's left of this carcass. <laughs> that chewed up meat, piece of meat. Chewed up old fucking beat up. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no. So I, I feel like it was a good idea because, you know, I feel like I actually had a pretty productive, I don't even know why I call it an off season because I haven't competed in four years, but I had a pretty productive few months. And um, I just feel like I need something a little bit more uh, pointed and directed at my physique because it's training. The, the diet is important, but I'm actually more interested in your training philosophy because at 42, I just can't keep doing what I'm doing because I just I don't feel like I'm recovering and I'm just beat myself up worse. So I always feel like you know how to kind of pull me back a bit from that. So I thought I'd give you a call. When was the last show you competed? Was it March of 17th? Yeah, the Arnold's. That was the Arnold's in 2017. So I actually have competed more recent than you. No, you haven't. When was your last show? Uh, May of 17. The California Pro. I got to do another show just to top you. (laughs) (laughs) And I did Chad Nichols' show in 2017. Uh, The Muscle Mayhem, which was right a week or two after the Cal Pro. so. So, yeah. So I'm, you are, I'm, I'm more retired than you are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to point that out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, well, I mean, who knows if all goes well, maybe I'll get on stage again, but that's probably, uh, probably not going to happen. But, um, so what's going on with you, man? Everything good. How's the business? How's coaching? How's the supplement company? How's the family? Yeah. Well, it's been a handful. Um, <clears throat> the granite's business is doing well. We've, in 2020, we doubled in size, which was which was nice, because 2019 kind of wasn't so forgiving. Um, yeah. 2018 was a rough year. 2019 was pretty good. 2020 was great. Yeah. 2021 so far has been really good. We do have some concerns. I've called you about them with the supply chain and yeah. cluster dextrin and different ingredients and you know even like just the most basic stuff like bottles people are having trouble with. So. Yeah. It'll be see. It'll be interesting to see how May, June, and July look in our industry. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Mark Glazer. Um, he uh, runs Nutribio. I've been. I follow Mark. He's a friend of mine. He's talking about all the things that he's having trouble getting now. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, football. Um, I've been building my playbook because you know I'm coaching two teams this summer, which you're I need special teams. permission to coach because you're not supposed to do that here. Okay, what can you explain what the two teams are? I don't, I don't know all the different leagues. Well, so here's the situation. So um, this is going to sound really bizarre, but so there's a youth league here. Okay, and it goes up to sixth grade and seventh if your school does not have a football program. So my kids will be going into seventh grade. Yeah, um, I love the youth league here. I think it's fantastic. And I feel like my kids are on the verge of being pretty good, but I really want to build their confidence. So I want to coach them another year in youth league. Yeah. I feel like this could be a pretty pivotal year um, with their confidence, particularly Jonathan. Mm -hmm. So I really want to spend another year coaching them. Um, I worked really hard last year in youth league. And no, we won the championship. We had a good team. We had a really good experience. So I had uh, coaches from the uh, local high schools um, here. Uh, Pickerington call to ask if I could help their programs. So I talked to them and I'm coaching at a junior high school here as well. Moving up. Um, So um, I love that age group. I love seventh, eighth grade. So um, Pickerington football here, I've told you before, it's football here is really amazing in this town. Um, It's really, really strong here in this town. People move here to play junior high football. People move here to play youth league football. Can I interrupt you for a second? I just want to ask, what is, is, how old are you in sixth and seventh grade? Like 12, 11? Usually 12, 13. um, So like your kids are, your kids are how old? They're 12. 12. So 13, 
you know, right around that age group is junior high. No, but before that, so the youth league goes up to 12 and then it's junior high. It's goes up to sixth grade and seventh. If you don't have a football program at your school, which usually means 99. Actually, I think there is a cap. I think you can't be older than 12 years old. Okay. Okay. So there is a cap there. And then you go, and then junior high in the U S is grade seven and eight. Seventh and eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And there's limits there too. Like you can't be a certain age and yeah. you know, you can't be a 17 year old age. You can't fail a bunch of core, a bunch yeah. of years. And go back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so the practice this summer will be, you know, the kids will get out of school, the, the, the junior high kids and I'll have practice from four to six. And then about five minutes over is the other field. And I'll have practice with uh, the youth league from six to eight. So, Jeez. you know, immersed, so. immersed in it for four hours a day. Yeah, well, that doesn't count all the studying and the practice, the preparation. And so, but I love it. It's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so right now I've just been building my playbooks. And then, of course, you see what kind of talent you get. So then you try to figure out, okay, here's my 60 plays, you know, which 20 or 30 of them make sense now with the talent I have. Yeah, yeah. And um, I got some meetings scheduled um, this weekend actually with – out in California, there's a school called, um, well, there's there's a school called Modern Day that's multiple national champions in high school. Yeah. Them and St. John Bosco are usually like the two top high schools in a nation. What are you doing there? So um, I've been talking to, the, to their, I'm talking to somebody there to go out there and spend a day with their offensive coordinator. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I really enjoying God, all this. I swear I'm, to God, if I see you coaching for like, what's the closest NFL team to you, Cincinnati or Cleveland? It's the Bengals, but I hate the Bengals. So Cleveland. If I see you coaching for Cleveland one day, I will not be shocked. It's like you just you yeah. just you you get like this. It's just like bodybuilding. You now you know you you're like in it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I'm in yeah. it too. I should show you the stack of books I got. Here's <laughs> you know, so here's the interesting thing though. There's so much I I, I tend to I tend to relate everything to bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think your listeners will appreciate this. So in football, I was, I think about random things and I think about, you know, how in bodybuilding, you think, you know, everything. Yeah. Then you actually get a little bit of knowledge and you realize, oh my God, there's this whole other world out there. Yeah. And then you, you make one, you do one of two things. You say, wow, this is challenging. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to just learn and read everything. You know, as a young bodybuilder, I know you did the same thing I did. We read every word in every magazine. You get every book you can. You talk to everybody. You just really immerse yourself. Yeah. Or you just say, this is too much. And I'll just kind of half, I'll just wing it. And, you know, so I'm at the stage in football where I know just enough to know there's a whole world out there that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that on a scale in football knowledge of Bill Belichick's here. Yeah. And I'm way down here, (laughs) you know, but I understand that and I accept that. So now it's the same thing. It's how can I get from here to here? How can I shove all this knowledge in as fast as I can? And here's my point. So people in bodybuilding think because you read a study that all of a sudden you, you become Bill Belichick. Yeah. So you got all these guys that say, well, you know, I know all the literature, so I'm a, I'm a genius at this, mm-hmm. but you and I also know there's a, there's, you cannot, you cannot ignore the importance of experience of yeah. actually doing this stuff for not only years, for decades. Yeah. I was, yeah, so I was football's, just... You see yeah. what I'm saying? And, you know, and so football is the same way. I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying, but I know in my heart that I need experience too yeah. to match that. So I'm not sitting here saying, well, I read 25 books. I know more than you do. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to sit down with modern day. I want to sit down with these coaches. I want to sit down and talk to them. What does it look like in the real world? I mean, yeah. on a piece of, on a piece of paper, when I draw a play up, everybody's blocked. Hey, it should be a touchdown every time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's but that's not that easy so, yeah <laughs> it's not that easy you know just like people in bodybuilding well all you got to do is just train heavy and just you know just eat some food i yeah. mean yes and no yeah i mean there comes a point where you need to go a little bit beyond that but yeah. i think I, about these things and i'm always drawing comparisons to bodybuilding no i think it's absolutely a perfect analogy because the first thing i thought when you said that about bill bill belichick is before you even said it i'm like yeah you can read and do all those things but it does not matter how much you read the time has to go by and it's exactly it's exactly a parallel with bodybuilding and such it's actually such a good analogy because i get dms from these people all day long i read this study i read that study i and i'm I'm like look man i've been doing this for 20 years that study could say that but this is what really works 
So it's like you said, it's the time. The time matters just as much as the books. They're, yeah, for sure. To, to me, they're equal. Like if you don't, mm-hmm. it's equal emphasis on both and one without the other isn't. Yeah, you can. It's funny. Isn't it a humbling experience too? Because I don't know if you were like this, but when I started bodybuilding, I thought I had it all figured out after like two years. And it's such a hum, it's such a humbling experience when you finally like, it's like you opened your eyes and you're like, holy yeah. shit, like, I don't wow. know anything. So it's like, I almost feel like these people that are DMing me all day are the people that are just starting and they think they have it all figured out and they haven't hit that first block where they're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's a whole there's bunch a whole of other world of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, that's good. Well, man. I learned that lesson from bodybuilding. So I think it's going to carry over well to football because rather than reading a book on yeah. the four, two, five defense and thinking all of a sudden I'm a defensive expert. Now I can go, well, there's 25 other defenses and yeah. here's how an offense can be that defense. Like there's just a whole nother. Well, it's not only that. It's also, let me try it on the field. Yeah. And, yeah. And what see. does it really look like? Yeah. yeah. Now I, I know what it looks like, but does it really work? And that's, yeah, yeah that's a, a huge part of it. That's good, man. I'm glad you found your passion. Uh, it's not, not that you're done bodybuilding or done or not involved. Cause I know you're still coaching, but it's nice to see that you found something after bodybuilding that you're, you have a passion about that's just as strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I was talking to Dory Nates about that. And he said, uh, <clears throat> it's just something I was kind of fascinated by. He says, he said he had a couple of years where he really struggled after bodybuilding. Cause he kind of put such an abrupt end to it. So anytime I see guys kind of leave the sport and, and have something, it kind of makes me feel good for them. Cause it's like, it's a really big void. That's just yeah. kind of, kind of gone. And I think I filled it with the podcast and the supplement company and you have football and it just, uh, Anyway, it's nice to see. So I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Everything good with your health? Yeah, yeah. I had, um, there's, um, there's a thing called a PMI. It's called a, the point of maximal impulse. And so when a doctor takes his little stethoscope or whatever it's called, and he puts it on your chest to try to hear your heartbeat, generally that'll be around your left ventricle, the apex of your left ventricle, the bottom um, of your left ventricle. Now, if you remember when I had my blood clot and I had my heart attack, that part of my heart was the part that was damaged. Yeah. So they could no longer detect the really, they couldn't feel the strong point of the heartbeat um, yeah. in that spot. So it had moved over to another location, which you would expect. Yeah. You've got to be able to feel the heartbeat somewhere if you're alive. Um, but anyways, long story short, the last the last appointment I had that um, the doctor, um, he said, he kind of smiled at me and he said, wow, your PMI is back to normal. Now, I didn't know what PMI stood for. Yeah. Like for me, that's homeowner's insurance. So I was like, what's <laughs> it have to do with my homeowner's insurance? Yeah. He said, no, it's a point of maximum impulse and it's back at the apex or left ventricle where it's supposed to be. So that means your left ventricle that was damaged, there were the tissue was actually dead, Yeah, actually has some life back in it. So there's probably some cardiac remodeling there. And, you know, the first cardiologist I saw said, usually that happens in the first 30 to 90 days if it's going to happen. So it didn't happen initially. And he said, it's probably not going to happen. Then I went and talked to three other cardiologists. Another one said, it's probably not going to happen. Then the other two said, well, actually it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're probably a case where it could potentially could happen because you know, you're not a 75 year old sedentary person yeah. sitting around. You're pretty active, right? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so they're real happy that, um, that that, point of maximum impulse has returned and that means there is some life in the tissue that was damaged which means that my next echocardiogram i should see some improvements in ejection fraction i I still feel totally fine i feel totally normal yeah yeah well i mean i see you squatting four plates and shit so i know you're feeling better but i mean that's that's great i didn't know i don't know anything about organ health and how it works and how it regenerates and i didn't know when you like when they talk about kidneys and they say your kidneys are scarred there isn't usually a way to re, re, reverse that. Right. So I yeah. figured the same thing would apply to your heart. So I think it's amazing that they're telling you like it's back to normal in that area. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say back to normal, but, but it's, there's some activity there. It's, there's yeah. actually the tissues moving. Um, and, and when it wasn't moving originally, that's how I had another blood clot in the bottom of my heart because it was the, the tissue wasn't doing anything. So rather than the blood, moving it was just sitting there okay i get it i get it yeah Yeah, i remember when i had that initial blood clot after i went in one checkup so so the blood clots are are all cleaned up they're all gone and um 
I still do. I still do take a little bit of a, um, a blood thinner just because uh-huh. of my history with what happened with two two blood clots now that have essentially almost yeah. killed me. So I think that's probably a good move. Do you use a over the counter blood thinner or do you use a doctor prescribed? Well, I still use a baby aspirin yeah. at night. So I take okay. that at night. <clears throat> I'll do that probably the rest of my life. Is it better at night or in the morning? Definitely better at night. Yeah. Why? Just do you because say of that? the way your blood starts clotting at night heading into the morning. Oh, really? Yeah. I always take it in the morning. I should talk to you more often, John. Well, every single doctor I've talked to, they were all in agreement on that. One. No, no, no. I, I believe you. I just, I, I didn't even ask anybody about it. Somebody just, I can't remember if it was my doctor or somebody told me to start taking a baby aspirin, but they didn't tell me, didn't give me a time. So I didn't think it mattered. Yeah. So I was just taking it like with my breakfast with the rest of my vitamins. Well, in your defense, I didn't know that either until they told me. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I've never researched when's the best time to take baby aspirin. So yeah. Um, then they all kind of told me the same story. Like you should be taking CoQ10, ubiquinol, uh, or that version, one or the other. Yeah. You should be taking L-carnitine. You should be taking D-ribose. Like they're all kind of telling me the same story. Okay. And then Serrano sent me a lot of good, good research on CoQ10, uh, and carnitine. And, and so does I've been it, following all that as well. Does the CoQ10 and all that, I take my CoQ10 twice a day. Does it matter? If, should I just be taking it at night? No, you can take that anytime. I would take with a meal though. It's fat soluble. So, but ubiquinol, um, it's just a little bit more, the version is just a little bit easier for your body to. Isn't it the precursor to CoQ10? Like that? Well, I mean, what happens is, so ubiquinol, this is why you don't see ubiquinol in a bunch of supplements because it's very hard to keep it. Usually it's, it's, it's in a gel cap, like there's liquid in it. It's not a powder. And, um, if it's in a powder, generally what happens is it oxidizes and it basically turns back into CoQ10. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> ubiquinol is just the reduced form, kind of like RALA is the reduced form yeah. of ALA. Yeah. So as you get older, your body maybe needs a, maybe not quite as good as converting. Okay. Um, you know, but ubiquinol is just the reduced form. So it's a little bit more bioavailable. Okay. I take a whopping dose of it. I take far and above, above what I'm, what everybody what, says to take. What's the dose you take? I mean, I take 600 milligrams of it, which is a lot. Aren't they hundred milligram? Aren't they hundred milligram capsules? Well, they come in fifties, hundreds, two hundreds. Yeah. 200s. yeah. So, you're um, popping, <laughs> so you're popping 600 milligrams a day? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Here's, so here's the interesting thing. Um, and your listeners might, might get something out of this too. I also take L-carnitine at three grams a day. Okay. Um, so Serrano kind of had this thing put up, put together for me. Then I talked to a guy named Joel Kahn. He's, uh, he's got this heart longevity Institute in Michigan. Okay. I did a consultation with him. It was 500 bucks per hour. <laughs> so wow. he's like, talking to me. He's like, okay, I see your supplements here. You're doing that. And he goes through it with me. He goes, you know, this is just like, uh, um, some other doctors I see that I, that I know really well. And this is what they advise. So anyways, I start doing my research and like, some of these top doctors, they're all, they're all actually pretty big on CoQ10 and carnitine, that combination. Yeah. Um, and then you can throw in uh, ribose, which is, I mean, again, it's kind of like the fuel. It's kind of like the gasoline in the car. Yeah. Um, so I put those together. And here's why, here's why I'm telling you this. When I started doing this combination, I started feeling um, a little more energy. But what I noticed the most was I didn't get as tired when I trained. Oh, okay. And like I could tell man, I'm not fatiguing as easily. Yeah. And is it the ribose? Is it the CoQ10? And is it the ubiquinol in the massive dose? Is it the carnitine, carnitine which doesn't really absorb real well in, yeah. in pill form? Yeah. That's why people take it in injectable form. Anyways, so I told a couple of my friends, I said, hey, man, I want you to try this. Yeah. Um, I actually had Paul Carter try this too. So I said, just take this and tell me how you feel. So he messaged me back and he goes, dude, I'm not getting tired when I train. Like I can train 90 minutes. I only feel like I'm, like I'm still normal. Wow. I said, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Yeah. So um, out, outside of just the hard thing, there might be something there for just recovery. I don't know. There's nothing to back that back up what I'm saying scientifically. It's just playing with that combination seems to have a pretty, pretty good effect on your I endurance. S- I see a new granite supplement on the, on the horizon, a new endurance supplement. Well, one of the things I tried to figure out was, can I, can, well, so first of all, ubiquinol is very expensive. Oh, okay. And L-carnitine is not cheap. Yeah. So you put them all together, it's going to be real expensive. But here's the problem. You can't just shove a bunch of stuff with ubiquinol because the way it has to be suspended in the solution. Yeah, but you just put them in a pack. 
so you could combine them with CoQ10 um, and you would still have a really, really good supplement. No, I'm saying, couldn't you just put ubiquitous like different, different capsules all in a pack? Like, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like the, like an old, like an like old the animal pack. Animal pack. Yeah. Remember the animal pack used to do that? You That's do actually not a bad idea. Yeah. You do ubiquinol, carnitine, ribose, whatever else is in there. Put them all in a pack and this is your heart slash endurance supplement. That's a, that's actually a great idea. And then Can what I, if you did uh, another capsule for like your liver or your kidneys or whatever? That, that, that's actually yeah. a really good idea. Well, we're working on a, an entire vitamin line, but this is, this is new. I mean, I didn't, obviously I didn't know any of this stuff, but um, it'd be a good one for you guys to come up with. I mean, you already learned all the literature about it anyway. I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. We've been talking about a heart, a heart health supplement and just what would it, what do you put in it? Do you put Arjuna in it? I mean, just what all do you put in there? A good one will be a little expensive, but it's, your heart's a pretty good good thing to invest in, though. Well, I, I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of really bad vitamins on the market, like vitamin companies that don't, I don't know, maybe aren't tested or don't maybe do what they're supposed to do or aren't even, don't absorb properly. Or, I mean, there's so many companies out there that have been proven to be not what they say they are. So... I think when it comes to vitamins and minerals, more people would use them if they trusted the source they were getting them from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. The, I think that's why it's good that bodybuilders are doing it more because at least I know who's making it and I know what they're, what they're about. <clears throat> Some of these other vitamin companies, I don't know who owns them. I don't know if it's just a profit thing where they're just trying to give you the cheapest vitamin they could possibly find and market up to whatever amount. So I don't know. I think yeah. if you, I think if you came out with a vitamin line or I came out with a vitamin line, I think, people would be able to trust where they were getting their vitamins and they would know that we were putting, if it costs more money, they know that we, we put better, use better ingredients, not just because we're marking it up to make more money. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. anyway, so how are we going to, uh, fix my body? Well, you weigh too much. We got to get your weight down. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was two two eighty six or two eighty seven today. Okay, well, you're down a couple pounds then. Yeah, I got to drop. And you're 5'8", 5'9", 5'8", 5'9", or 5'10". Don't take an inch away from me, John. 5'10", ah, boy, I don't know if you're 5'10". If I'm hanging upside down, maybe 5'10". I'll, I'll give you 5'9". Okay. So <laughs> you weigh a lot. Yeah. Um, and the goal is to get uh, lighter, leaner, and healthier. Yes. So I put together um, some meals here. You want me to bring uh, them up? That we can take a look at, yeah. All right, let's bring this up so people can see exactly what my diet's going to be. That way they can all call me out if they see me cheating. All right, so we have non-training days and we have training days. Yeah, and, you know, and I think this is true with anybody. So I think people need to have a little bit of context on you. And what people probably don't understand about you is how well you can do on lower calories. Yeah. Um, you have a history, uh, at least since 2015, right? With me or 14? 14. We started working together. Yeah. For the 15 yeah. shows yeah, that yeah. you won. So um, I know that from history, you don't need, first of all, a mega ton of calories. Like, no. You don't need that. Yeah. So somebody might look at this and go, oh, my God, his calories are only 3,200. 3, He's going to starve to death. Well, and there, I mean, and then there's some, so there's some history here that I know you don't need, like, like if we were going all out crazy bulk, um, you might do 37 or 3,900. So yeah. this yeah. is meant to be a caloric deficit. Yes. And I don't think you need a mega crap load of protein either. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with protein. I just don't see the need for you to uh, go crazy on it. Um well can I sorry to interrupt you, John? I just want to tell people. I mean, the people people who follow the podcast and follow me know I do have my kidney function isn't one hundred percent. So I think it's also good that we're not doing like a crazy amount of protein because I I know protein doesn't affect healthy kidneys, but it has been shown to affect kidneys that are dysfunctional. It absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, it, when people have compromised kidney function, higher levels of protein is not a good idea. And yeah. you know. You know, we'll we'll continue to monitor your blood work, but yes. like if your blood work showed, you know, your kidneys were really struggling or getting worse, then we would lower this protein way more. Like yeah. we might take yeah. it down to, you know, eighty grams, hundred well, grams. Just, just for reference, um, I just had a, 
I, I just did my blood work this week and I had a appointment with my uh, kidney specialist today. And it was funny. I was a little bit worried about my blood work, but he, it's nice when you talk to a doctor because they put everything in, in point of reference from everything else you've done. And he said, look, your blood work and your kidney levels have been the same since early 2019 all the way to now. And I've done, I do blood work every two months. So he's like, there has been literally no change. It's 10 points up or 10 points down for the last two years. So he's like, that is actually the best thing about this entire blood work is that your kidneys are just holding steady. Nothing's, it's not dropping. They're not getting worse. They're just right in that same range as they've always been. So I think we're okay with doing this because this is the thing. This is a deal I have worked out with my nephrologist. He basically has the right to tell me when to stop. When he sees that things are changing in a negative way, he's like, I want you to stop what you're doing. And I told him I would. I'm just waiting for his, his recommendation. So anyways, just going back to the program, it's good that it's not super high protein, but I think my body can still handle this amount. That's kind of always getting to. And I think that um, is probably even a little bit of drop from what you're doing, but yeah, um, you know, we're always going to listen to, we're always going to listen to your nephrologist first. His yes. opinion far supersedes mine. Yep. So what we would do here is if there were issues and there were concerns, then we would start dropping that number big time, that protein yep. number. Yep. Um, and the interesting thing, this is just kind of a side note. This is what I've noticed with a lot of people in their 40s is, you know, it takes a lot of food. It takes a lot of hard training to build muscle. But I would bet a moderate size sum of money that it doesn't take nearly as many calories and protein to kind of maintain your strength and your muscle. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to be really surprised at how well, well, you might not be surprised because you're used to kind of lower calorie stuff. But I think a lot of people, if they tried something lower calorie, when they get older, when they kind of built their muscle, they'd be shocked at how easy it was to maintain their muscle. Yeah. Yeah. To keep it. I'm not saying to grow, but just to keep your strength, keep your muscle. And that's kind of what you're seeing now with me is, you know, I eat probably hundred grams of protein a day and that's what I've ate the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. For three years straight. And, you know, I pretty much just stay steady. So anyways, so we've got, I think, good balance here. Um, You know, you've got almost 100 grams of fat. Okay, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on the, the, we're starting on the training days? Yeah, start on the training day. So can we just explain to people why why it's written this way? Because I think you said to me that you just, these were the two meals you were most concerned with. So can we explain why you did that? So generally what I do is I, I, I am a big believer in what you eat pre and post workout, that old Perry workout window. It needs to be really fine tuned. The other meals, whether we eat one other meal, two other meals, four other meals, I don't really care about where they fall, but I do care about the pre and workout, pre and post workout meal. So this pre and post workout meal is just, it's just that if you train at seven in the morning or noon or five o'clock at night, you just make sure those are your meals pre and post workout. The other meals, Put them in wherever you want. I mean, you could probably argue with me a little bit that insulin sensitivity decreases in the evening, but I don't think it's anything that is a big deal for us. Like, I, can I, I it's I not you, that big of a deal. Can I ask you a question, John? Ideally, if we were going to look at this ideally, where where would one, two, and three, four be in their breakfast? And like, I'm thinking this would be my last meal of the day. Yeah, so the shake we have in there, the reason why I put that in there is if you have issues, if you have issues getting down the food, um, it's it's just something you can put in there so you don't have to eat more whole food. Sure. So, um, and there's nothing wrong with whey protein. It's, nope. you know, unless you're getting whey protein from Walmart, which I know you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as long as the high quality whey proteins, full of BCAs, good for your immune system. Is and you, I know you put digestive enzymes in yours just like I did. So, yeah, yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not like it's inferior. So, yeah. um, but you know, it's really, it's really kind of your choice. If you like to have a bigger breakfast, you can have the bigger meal on here. If you prefer a little smaller breakfast, there's really no right or wrong way. That's just whatever is going to okay. work better for you. Like, I most of the time, I like kind of a smaller breakfast. Yeah. But well, some people like a big breakfast. It's, it doesn't really matter. You know, can I be honest with you? It's the, the meathead in me is like, I love a small breakfast because I'm not very hungry in the morning, but the bodybuilder guy, the, the bro science and scientist in me is like, got to have a big breakfast. So I force feed myself in the morning 
and it never feels good. So yeah. are you saying I don't have to do that? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't want you to force feed under any circumstance. Well, I, just, I, I shouldn't say yeah. force feed, but I mean, like, you know, when you're not hungry, but you kind of still have that big breakfast. Yeah. Like, should I not be doing that? I'd, ra I'd rather you just eat what makes you comfortable and then have the bigger meal later is what I would okay. prefer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we get this mentality where you got to force food down. And there is a time and a place for that. You know, yeah. you get a you get a 25 year old that can their body can handle a lot of stress. Yeah, you know, they yeah. don't have a lot of digestive issues yet. Yeah. They will when they get older, but they yeah. don't yet. Yeah. Hey, I'd be lying if I said I didn't do that. I, I mean, I got up to 260 at one point in time and I had to really force feed myself to do that. So, yeah. yeah. But I think if we look at your situation, does it make sense for you to force feed to the point of being measurable? I, I don't see the reason for that. No, no, I agree. I agree. So usually I train after two meals. So essentially I would probably do either meal one. I probably most likely do meal four. So I'll probably do this meal here, meal four, and then I'll have my pre-workout post post-workout and then go from there. Okay. And let's see meal four. Wait a minute. Meal four. Okay. I know I put in the ketchup and eggs in there for you. <laughs> oh, you did too. <laughs> Heck yeah. See, that's what, that's what happens. When you stay with a coach for a really long time. He gets to know your tendencies. So egg wise. Yeah. It's for what? Hi. Hey. How are you doing? Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay, so egg whites, not eggs. That's confusing because you're usually an eggs guy. So there was a reason for that too. Um, I absolutely believe in whole eggs. Yeah. That's where the nutrients are, the fat-soluble vitamins. I could go on and on about the egg yolk. It's great. Yeah. But... I was trying to have lower calorie alternatives here for you that made you a little more full. I see. So I think an, a, a cup and a half of egg whites has a lot of volume for food. Yeah. Whereas if you just ate a couple eggs, you'd probably still be real hungry, but I, you at least get some volume to fill you up and you don't get as many calories. So that was purely from a managing calories perspective. I have a feeling I'm going to be shredded in like three weeks from this. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not a lot of food now that I'm looking at it. Well, I mean, it's 3,200 calories. And, you know, if you used all the charts that talk about energy expenditure, they're probably going to tell you you need 4,000 to maintain. But I know your body, man. You don't need 4,000. And we're not trying to maintain. We're trying to get you leaner. Yeah. Can I? Um, so, so we have some coconut oil here in the pre-workout. Yeah, just a little bit to uh, cook your eggs. That's all it is. Can I switch that out for peanut butter? No, because you can't cook your eggs in peanut butter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I can cook my eggs on in a in a nonstick pan with Pam, right? And then I can just. Did you see the um? Did you see where they're getting sued because they're no. saying it's calorie free? Oh, you really are they? Well, I mean the like the squirt. Like I think you have to hold the thing down for ten seconds before there's actually yeah. any calories. No, I think but, it's less than that. Well, I don't know the specifics, yeah. but I saw they were getting sued because it's technically not zero calories. No, it's way less than that, John. Ten seconds is a long time. Imagine holding it. One. Well, two, I would do two three. seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do too. But I think, <laughs> but I think there's calories in like one. I think it's like one or two seconds. I don't think it's ten because that's a okay. long time. But um. Yeah. Well, yeah. you no, you can do that. You can use the spray, then and, and then um, you could use peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter. I don't really care. You know, it's um, funny. I used to be a huge fan of coconut oil and then somewhere along the line, I just got away from it. And I, I don't know. I can't really like, I just don't like the taste anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's a brand I bought or something. Well, I mean, it, it has some good things in it, but it's not like, I mean, I know people write books about it and call it like a miracle food. I mean, it's, it's antimicrobial, antibacterial, anti-fungi. Like it has a lot of cool stuff in it. The, the MCTs in it are where the fats really are. And those don't require any real digestion they're just turned energy but anyways having said that it's not well, like essential or required or anything you know what? i don't mind coconut oil i can do it i'll just i used to put it in my cream of rice so i can just do that too that's no big deal um the veggies and the peppers are those optional yeah i just wanted you to have some veggies in there um like the peppers you know that i just wanted some you know the the veggies aren't necessarily for fiber it's just for nutrients like for instance if you did some peppers yeah. Some of the peppers have a lot of vitamin C in them, for example. So okay, it's I can just, do that. Yeah. So it's just and like I was, I'm assuming there's some vegetables that you really like. 
Yeah, yeah. There's no problem. I can do that. Uh, okay, so that seems pretty straightforward. Uh, hostile intra, then post-workout seems straightforward as well. Steak and rice. Um, everything seems pretty straightforward here. Now, the avocado, are you set on avocado, or can I switch it for olive oil if I want? I know it's not the same fat, but I'm um, curious. Hang over one second. I got somebody I can... Okay. Um, olive, olive oil and avocado oil, that, or avocado, that was a question? Yeah. So avocado is just for monounsaturated fat. You get the same thing with extra virgin olive oil. So I'm not really either way is fine. Okay. The avocado is nice because you get a lot of potassium, but I mean, it's not. Uh, but I'm, not but, but you got to remember, I'm trying to avoid that a little bit too. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So, yeah. um, so yeah, this will be a way, can I just, just to, for people to understand. So if you have, um, if your kidneys aren't functioning properly, you have a little bit more trouble excreting potassium. And you don't want to let potassium build up in your body uh, to a dangerous level because it can cause heart arrhythmias and whatever else. So my diet, as you can see, is a little bit lower in potassium. We're not using any potatoes or bananas or spinach and stuff. We're kind of going to eliminate all that stuff. So the av avocado, we can also remove just to keep the potassium down. Let's switch it and switch in the olive oil. That'll, that'll help. Yeah, I, I think all we put in there was a little bit of red potato. And that was a, like a tiny amount, not egg meal. But Where is that here? Oh, it's a... Uh... It's a small amount of potassium. That's oh, really down small. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 173 grams is nothing, though. That's why. That's nothing. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, I talked to my uh, nephrologist, and he's fine with... He just said, look, in moderation. He's like, you know, don't, don't eat a pound of potatoes per meal. But he's like, you know, a little bit's not going to do anything to you. Yeah. So, okay. Um... Yeah, all this seems pretty straightforward. And then we have the, this is what the non-training days are five meals. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, man. I wanted you to get a little bit hungry on your on your off days. Oh, I'm going to get fucking hungry. It's too Yeah, I think, I, I think I've only put this at 2,500 calories, right? Yeah, it's 2,500. Oh, my God. I'm going to. It's, yeah, this is this is like, um, <laughs> it's like the Fouad fast, yeah. 2,500 calories. So I wanted this intentionally to be a little bit low to get you hungry. This will change over time. Um, I would envision these days the calories coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just for now, just for the first probably month, I wanted those days to be lower in calories. And you're going to be really hungry those days. Um, yeah. And man, your breakfast is going to be good the next day. <laughs> so it's okay because I, you know what? I think it's going to be good for me because I've been eating so much for so long. Like I've been kind of bulking now for a good six months. So. I think just to restore my insulin sensitivity and get me hungry again, I think, I think that's going to be, you know, I'm going to probably suffer through it, but I'll get through it. Um, well, and again, you're going to be amazed at how much muscle and strength you hold. Yeah. Um, you will get the physical signs of hunger. You'll get your stomach making ghrelin and all this stuff and you'll get really hungry, but you won't lose muscle. You won't lose yeah. strength. You might lose a little water retention. Your joints not, might be a, not quite as loaded with water. Mm. So you might be a little, you know, might not have quite the strength on a compound movement, but we're not trying to set records on compound movements anyway right now. No, we're not. Um, the only but question, I would envision the calories coming up on this, but I want you to start here. The only question I have, and people are going to find this funny that watch the podcast often, but uh, this wild salmon down here. Yeah. Can I rotate it? Because otherwise I'm going to have to order sushi like every time I don't train, which actually is not bad because I only don't train twice a day, twice a week. So if I... Yeah, I, can I was order. thinking this was for two days a week is what I was thinking. This yeah, was I can for. order sushi two days a week. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing in there, too, that I think is important is I mentioned spices. I I really, I mean, you're a much, much better cook than I am, which that been a better cook than me. That's like, that's not very, that doesn't mean anything. But, <laughs> um, but spices can be really important, too, like oregano and garlic powder and all those things. Spices are really underrated um, yeah. for many, like oregano, for example, great, great antioxidant. Okay. Um, you know, so there's a lot of benefits with all these spices too. So I wanted you to try to use those as much as you could on food too, whether it's, you know, I I garlic powder, cloves or paprika or yeah. try to be really creative with spices. I think we, I think we undervalue how much, like, you know, people talk about cinnamon for, on their yeah. oatmeal for a glucose response and things like that, but but try to be creative with your um, spices as well. Okay, okay, yeah, this is pretty straightforward. I mean, this doesn't look like it's going to be easy. The the training, the off days, but I'm committed to it. I want to see I want to see what we can do with uh, with my physique. 
so cardio you had me at uh three sessions at 40 minutes yep yeah yep. just yep just something steady state um you can do it whenever it doesn't have to be fasted i mean obviously you don't want to do it before you weight train but um yeah just get the blood moving there's nothing magical about it it's just to burn calories and, and the reality is you burn a lot more calories during the day just being active yeah so just continue to stay active um and not you know kind of sit around and that's the main thing there so my favorite part is right here the free meal <laughs> is that whatever i want or what is that what does that mean can you explain i to mean me? it is but just don't go crazy don't make yourself sick all right i'm not gonna make myself sick. i mean after, make yourself sick. after those non-training days fuck i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit nuts maybe no i'm just joking I'll, I'll keep it under control i thought about making that two free meals but let's start with one and go from there no 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 i want to i want to be i want to i want to make some serious changes so it's okay and my plan was for this to happen aggressively so this is a pretty aggressive plan oh yeah no i can see that you know and, like I know if you said i'm going to take six months then you'd probably have 3700 calories on your training days yeah, it would be a 200 calorie deficit. It's probably what I would have planned. But this is this is pretty aggressive. This is more aggressive than I would put a lot of people. But I know your body. I know your history. I know you can handle lower calories for certain periods of time. Then we could ramp them up, bring them down, ramp them up and bring them down. Well, this is the other thing I want to make sure. And that's that's the point I want to touch on most importantly for people watching, because if people do watch and they say, oh, that's crazy. That's too much. Isn't that me and John talk all the time? So if a week from now I'm like, John, that week was killer. I've lost 15 pounds. Like, or if the weight just starts falling off, I can just call John and we can make changes. It's not, yeah. this isn't just because you start with something doesn't mean that it has to stay forever. It's just, you know, you see what works. And I think uh, John's been right every time so far when we've, we've um, done anything with my physique. So uh, I trust the plan and I know if anything goes wrong, we'll just make changes. So I'm not worried about it anyways. If it's, if it's too little, yeah, I mean, I think people get a little bit too caught up in the initial plan and really the key is what you do as you go. It's just yeah. the adjustments that you make and yeah. that's pretty much it. My biggest concern is not being hungry. My biggest concern is not being able to cheat and all that shit. I mean, I know we like to joke around about that, but my biggest concern is really, I don't want to feel like I can't feel the pumps in the gym. That's my biggest concern with this diet because it's a lot less food. So I'm like, there's going to be an initial shock of, you know, you know, when you start dieting, like your pumps kind of go away a little bit, not fully, but they're not as good. They as do you, for sure. They're you're not right. as good as when you're eating like four or 5,000 calories. Right. Mm -hmm. So my initial, I think hurdle is just going to have to be overcoming the pumps, not being as good for the first couple of weeks. And then I'll probably get used to it. Well, and here's the other thing too. There's a couple ways you can handle that. So I didn't say what day the free meal could have needed to be on. Okay. That could be at the end of your off day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we can, put I don't, it, we can put it like before a leg day. Maybe if I do legs on Monday, we can do Yeah. Sunday night. We can do. And, like, and the other thing is those four meals. Remember I said any order. Yeah. So if you're training earlier in the day, then you could put the higher carb meal at night yeah. because you'll be, you'll be more fueled up the next morning. So, yeah, and yeah. I, because I train some people that like to train fasted, which I don't like, but no. as long as they eat a big meal before they go to bed, yeah. they're cool. If they don't do that, then they, they all have the same thing. Oh, I had no energy. Of course you did. You didn't See, any food. I, I was kind of thinking the reverse is I train after two meals and I was thinking I could put the two biggest meals pre-workout. Yeah, you could do that. And then have the post-workout meal. And then I could shave, you know, the smaller meals would be later in the day. Yeah, and I was just referring to like if you trained early in the day, yeah, like yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to train probably. Yeah, so you so you have a perfect opportunity to get to the two higher highest calorie carb meals before you train. Yeah, yeah. No. I still think there'll be a dip and pump, but I'll, I'll get used to it. What do you? How do you feel about pickles? Oh, I love them. I just mean like because that sodium, the extra yeah. sodium, kind of gives you a little bit better yeah. pump. And yeah, no, I love them, man. I um, yeah, man, they're they're um, go for it. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I mean, I it's, kind of, it's kind of calorie free. I mean, for not, yeah. not calorie free, but it's, you know, it's nothing really. Well, I, I like, I, you know, you get like, if you get them fermented, you know, that's when you get foods like kimchi and sauerkraut. Yeah. I like all that stuff anyway, too, just because of the digestive benefit from well, it. Well, I get the, uh, I get the, the pickles are fermented too. Cause I get them from the refrigerated section, not the ones just off the shelf that are past there. Cause I, what do they do to them? They, they treat them some way so that they can sit on the shelf. 
but then if yeah. you get if you get the fresh ones that are i think they're fermented you get you get them in the fr- in the refrigerator section you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm not 100 percent sure on that um i'm sure somebody in the comments section will correct me but yeah the ferment man i i used to know quite a bit about that fermentation process but um i don't now so somebody in the comments can school us on that yeah no i just thought yeah i'm not you know what i won't say if somebody in the comments section can can correct and uh give the information on that i'll pin it um okay so training wise we're not going to go through every body part but can you give me a quick rundown of like the overall philosophy just so people know kind of where 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 we're going with with things yeah so the number one goal is is health it's it's to not beat your body up and and create injuries you know you've had torn lat you had torn hamstring and etc so the number one issue is to keep you healthy and um with that in mind with that in mind then my exercise sequencing is I think very conducive to that. So you've done this in the past. You know that before you do a squat or leg press, you know you're going to do hamstrings. You know you're going to do leg curls. Like yeah. you know that. So your squats and leg presses will feel good. I don't think there should be as much emphasis on the heavy squats, um, yeah. loading your spine. I think you're probably better off using the leg press more than you are the squat. Um, in you know, so exercise sequence is going to play a role when you talk about volume and intensity and all that it does matter so as you get older and you're on less calories now we can't quite handle the volume that you that you know you might be able to do you just got to be mindful of it so we can't do like an elite fts dave tate workout twice a week for legs you just won't be able to recover from that so we got to be a little bit more careful with volume and what that means for me it's just making sure that you're you're not doing as many sets so you got to make sure the ones you do you you really get the most bang out of them yeah so what we'll be doing is we'll take exercises that i think are pretty safe um and those are the ones we'll really push the intensity on for a set or two and then exercises like if you were to do a squat that's one where we got to be really careful Oh, you froze, Johnny. Tell me you're coming back. Oh, come on. Long range of motion. You disappeared. You can do that with a hack squat, for example. John, wait. You disappeared for like 15 seconds. You just came back. Uh Okay, oh, my stupid connection. No, it's okay. We're good. You just um, you, were talking, you were talking about extra exercise selection and talking about not not doing two Dave Tate workouts in one week, like not going super crazy twice in one week, and um, exercise selection that's going to keep me able to recover. That's kind of where we left off there. Yeah, and then just we just need to be mindful of your volume and, and intensity. So it's not a situation where we do every set to failure. You know, we got to pick the right exercises to take the failure only a set or two would be like that. Um, you know, so we, we just got to be mindful of recovery and volume and intensity. And what that means to me, like if you're okay, that sounds good, but what does that really mean? Yeah. It means probably working out the body part like once every five days, maybe four days, five days, um, allowing for recovery. What determines whether you train a body part again or not is if it's recovered. Okay. So if you get to the, like, let's say someone trains their legs twice a week and then they train them on Monday, then on Thursday, they're still sore. Then you don't train them on Thursday. Like mm-hmm. they're not recovered. Training a beat up muscle is how you create a really overtrained state locally in that muscle. Yeah. Not a good idea. Not Can a I, good idea. I got to ask you something just to, and I'm not pushing back from myself personally. I'm just, and I hate to do this because I know you guys are, are friends, but it's just, it's something maybe I didn't understand properly. But when I had Brad Schoenfeld on the podcast, he said that the level of soreness is irrelevant for when you train again, as long as it doesn't affect how you do the movement. Yeah, I would. It seems very counterintuitive. To I would disagree with that because, and here, here's the reason why. First of all, I love Brad. Um, but when you have damaged muscle fibers, those fibers can't produce as much force, number one. Okay. They're not even recovered. The adaptations haven't even taken place. Okay. So I'm, I'm open to changing my mind on that, but I also think it honestly just sucks to try to train something. that's still real sore. 
I just want to preface it with saying he said as long as you can do the movement, like as long as you're not so sore that you can't do the leg curl or do the squat, as long as you can do the movement properly, then it, the soreness is irrelevant. And I, I thought that was a little strange because I'm like, it's not that I, I, I mean, he knows more than I do, so I don't know. But I'm like, we've always been taught to don't train a, a, a sore muscle, like not if it's extremely sore anyway. Well, again, if the fibers are damaged, they can't produce as much force. Yeah. So you're already going to be training at a suboptimal level. I would personally rather just give it um, another day or two so that I can train optimally. So for people listening, because this might be a little bit confusing to them now because they have their, you know, their five day split that they got set up for the week, right? If they get to the next day and they're like, oh, okay, it's time for legs again, but I'm sore. But John said to wait two days. Is it going to mess up their whole thing? Cause now they're waiting and they don't know if they should wait or, Oh, I'm still a little bit sore or maybe I'm not sore enough or like, it's just a. Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a great, that's a very fair question. So you either, you have to do two things. You either have to adapt your workout so that you're not sore when you want to do it. Like if yeah. you're dead set, oh, I'm going to do legs on Monday and Friday. Yeah. And you need to make sure on Friday you can actually do legs again. So you may have to adjust what you do on Mondays. So that's option number one. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Option number two, which is what I do, and I'm not saying this is better. I'm just saying this is my instinctive way of doing it. If I have something sore that I can't train, then I just look at what's not sore and it's whatever I want to prioritize the most. So let's say legs come up and I'm like, man, they're not ready yet. My chest and back aren't sore. Well, I think I want to work on my chest more than my back. I'll do chest. Mm. So I look at what's ready and then I prioritize what I want to work on the most personally. Yeah, I think... Um, Sorry, go ahead. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I think for people that are advanced, like I've done that for, I used to do that for a little while. I actually, I still do. If something's really sore, I won't force it. But I think the better thing is the first scenario only because that's what you taught me to begin with. And it actually- and That's what I really, I mean, that's what I prefer. Yeah. Um, that helped me, but... that philosophy, John, that you just, the first one you said about, don't train it so hard if you want to train it twice. That was such a foreign philosophy to me when we met. Because you know me, I was just going a thousand percent every workout. And you were like, hey, take a step. And I think the analogy you used was you got to dig a ditch and then find your way out of it. Just don't dig the ditch so deep that you can't get out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it made so it made so much sense after we started working together. Because then I was like, yeah, I'm only sore for a day. But it's great because I'm I'm ready to go again when it's time. So I think, I think for people out there listening that have a set schedule, I think the first scenario is probably better for them where they can just pull back on your training a little bit. So you don't have to keep messing with your schedule all the time. Yeah. 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 That's definitely the easiest way to do it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Can I show you a leg workout? Cause it's a John Meadows inspired leg workout I did the other day. Is this, and I just want to show you so you can let me know if this is something along the lines of what you're thinking about. Yeah, sure. This is not a shameless plug for my legs, I promise. <laughs> I'm just showing you because it's on Instagram. So this is what I started with here. Um, so I started with a giant set, abductors, adductors, and kickbacks. I've been doing this the last three weeks because I found that I have some knee tendon pain. And my knees and my hips and everything seem to, get, seem to be really warmed up if I can do this abductor, adductor, kickback. Kind of gets my leg, gets the blood flowing everywhere. In my old programs, I used to have adductor work and leg curls before squats, actually. Oh, okay. So I've come to, yeah. I finally reached John Meadows level, <laughs> level genius. <laughs> I added no, it was a long time ago. We yeah, used to yeah. do that lifetime. We, we do it lifetime. We do the leg curls and the leg, the adductor machine was right behind it. So we would yeah. do those. So then when you squatted, you had this huge pump in your adductors yeah. and, and your leg and your hamstrings. Yeah, that's what I found. So I've been doing them and I'm like, you know what? My legs feel full everywhere after this yep. giant after this giant set so i do this and then Good. this this week i think was a little bit of a mistake i tried something different we did cybex hacks second after this giant set but i don't think my knees were ready so the week, i don't like that i don't no, like i don't like ever no hacks no lunges and no pendulum squats as your first movements too hard on your knees no, no no i agree and it was only because we did the giant set first but it was still too hard so the week before was actually better. We did this giant set and then we did these, this superset after this leg extension, superset it with leg curls. Yeah, that makes sense. That and was then do the, and then and do the hack. Yeah. Then we did actually leg press and then the hack at the end. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, 
it, it felt like a John Meadows workout. And I only say that because uh, I know your workouts are more, you like to get the muscle primed for the bigger lifts. And it's, they're not usually, the bigger stuff is not usually first or second in the workout. So I'm like, okay, this is something John would like. Um, but it's been working. I mean, my legs feel more full than they felt when I walked in and started squatting. So I think it's because uh, the pain is being alleviated by all the warm-up stuff from the giant set and the super set. Then by the time I get to the leg press and the hack squat, my knees feel really loose and I can actually like mm -hmm. feel, I can feel the muscle working. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Like anytime someone actually tries like a leg curl before they squat, then they, they can immediately tell, oh, wow, that does feel totally different. Yeah. The people who don't really like that philosophy, 99% of them <laughs> have never actually tried it. So, yeah. Um, and when you, I mean, when you really think about it, if you really um, think about what causes the muscle to grow, it's, it's just tension. It's just a lot of mechanical tension working somewhere close to failure with the right volume. It doesn't say you have to do these three exercises. My dog's like, go to the bathroom. That's what that bell you hear ringing. He's ringing the bell. Um, he'll be fine now. You can, um, it's okay. We can wrap up soon. So, but this is what I try to tell people, like nowhere do you have to do certain exercises. What you have to do is you have to create that mechanical tension. Can you get that with a hack squat like you can on your quads? Sure you can. Mm -hmm. You just got to use the right weight. Um, and then you have to have some level of fatigue. So you, you can't stop with a set when you've got five or six reps left. Like yeah. that doesn't create any adaptation. Your body's like, oh, yeah, I, that, wasn't a that wasn't even a challenge. Yeah, yeah. You have to have some level of fatigue. Can you get that from like, say, a hack squat as opposed to a squat? Of course you can. Yeah. So I don't look at it so much as you've got to do certain exercises. I look at the exercises. They should be in a certain order to keep you healthy. And then you just need the right tension and proximity to failure. Like if you're yeah. covering that, then you're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's the philosophy I got to start employing because I've always done the leg curls before moving on to the heavier compounds. But I found now as I'm getting older, even that is not enough. So that's why the giant set started. I started doing that with then with the lying leg curls or leg extensions. I I feel like I almost need more warm up time than just going one Thank exercise, you. right? But yeah. um, but I feel like I'm getting more out of the compounds. So it's it's really been okay. Well, and here's our thing. So the common um the common like rebuttal to that for people who don't like that, they'll say, well, I'm weaker when I get to accommodate exercise. So there's not as much tension. No, that's not yeah. true. Yeah. What, yeah. Using 300 pounds or 400 pounds is if your proximity to failure is yeah. close, is close enough, you're fine. So if you do, say you do 400 and you do three, say you do five reps, but you could do another five, let's say you do 300 and you do eight, but you maybe could have done nine. I would say the 300 set was more productive. Okay, because your your proximity to failure with a very good load was even better. Yeah. So that well, argument that well I'm using less weight doesn't hold water with me. What matters is the intensity and the load. So you've got to if you're working in the eight eight reps, twelve reps, fifteen reps, whatever, that's fine. As long as your proximity to failure is where it needs to be for the intensity, then then you're fine, and it doesn't really matter what the weight is. Okay, but let me ask you this, and and this is where I would push back a bit if I was one of those people if I can start the workout with a squat and I can get up to five plates for 10 reps to failure, right? Isn't that better than, am I going to not going to develop more mass that way than waiting to squat at the end when I can only do three plates for 10 to failure? Well, if your um, joints and your body can handle it, then I don't particularly have an issue with it. But I would say don't be so quick to assume that, though, because, again, the weight that that 500 pounds, I don't know that it's the 500 pounds. It's how hard you're working with 500 pounds. Okay. So let's say you did 500 pounds for seven and you probably could have only done eight. That's a daggone good set. Yeah. Let's say you did 315 for 15 and you could have only done 16. That's still a really good set to me. That's still. Yeah. yeah. The intensity and proximity to failure is good enough. So 
I mean, I can see where, but you, you can, there's no rule that says you can only, the only place you can get stronger is the first exercise. Too. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, but what I'm saying is like, let's say I did that entire workout I showed you. And then I squatted at the end. My strength is going to be down from doing all that other stuff first. So I'm only going to squat three plates instead of four. What I'm saying is if the guy is healthy and he could squat four plates at the beginning for failure, isn't four plates for failure going to build more muscle than three plates for failure? Oh yeah. In that situation. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I'm not even going to say that because I'm not even going to say that because the proximity to failure was the same on both. But there wasn't the mechanical force more with four plates. The tension. Well, I mean, the tension isn't necessarily higher with four plates because there was some fatigue in the next exercise. So the, so the tension was, so with a lighter weight, you don't have as much, like if you start at the beginning of the workout and you compare 300 to 400, Mm -hmm. 400 is heavier. Yeah. And that means you're going going to get more activation out of your muscle fibers. Yeah. If you're only using 300 pounds, but you're capable of 400, you don't get as much activation but as you progress through the set and you get tired, you call in those other fibers to help you keep going. So if you're you. using a lighter weight, as long as you keep going, then you get cl- and you get close to failure. Yeah. You're still kind of in the same situation where you've engaged. Like, think of it logically: Is the muscle fiber contracting? Is it fatiguing? Is am I coming? Am I engaging all fibers? And am I coming close to failure? Okay, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I'm just trying to iron this. No, out. I like it. It's a good, healthy discussion. Okay, so I'm not I'm not debating if using four plates to failure or three plates to failure is different because it's not like they're both to failure. I get it, but what I'm saying is using four plates at the beginning of a workout to failure versus using three plates at the end of a workout to failure. So now you have the same person, but he's weaker. Because he's done all this other stuff, so he's not. He's not really it. weaker though. It's just temporary fatigue. Like okay. if you, if like if you can. But if you're okay, time, but you're just—it's a different word. So if you're using fatigue, okay, now I'm fatigued, so I can only do three plates. So I'm not going to get as much mechanical force out of the muscle as if I did it at the beginning when I was fresh, and I got four plates. So I'm not. I'm not using the scenario of that most people say is four plates to failure the same as three plates to failure. I'm not arguing that that's kind of been debunked. What I'm asking is four plates at the beginning versus four plates at the end or, or three plates at the end, same guy. Uh, isn't he going to develop more muscle faster if he can get the four plates on his back? So it depends on how fatigued he is. Cause that's a very good question. So mm-hmm. now you get into this, uh, these other types of fatigue. And you have central nervous system fatigue, right? Yeah, yeah. What's what CNS fatigue is, is it's your brain isn't as efficient in telling your muscle fibers to fire. Yeah. So you can't produce as much force, and that's why you're weaker. Okay. If that's the case, then you're probably too fatigued. Okay. And then you've got, like, just general fatigue that you can recover from. Like, yeah, I did some hard sets, but, man, I can still go. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that fatigue is okay. But if you train so hard that you've entered into this central nervous system fatigue where your, your brain isn't as good at telling your muscle fibers seem fire. Yeah. So, so then you may be going to failure, but it's not because it's not, you had maximal yeah. engagement of the fibers. It's because you weren't engaging all the fibers yeah. because your, your central nervous system was, was fatigued. Yeah. I think so that's, you make more, it, so that's a very fair question. Yeah, so in yeah. that situation, I think it depends on just how fatigued you are. Okay. And that's the hard part about high rep training because yeah. people got this, people have this backwards. People think that low rep training is causes CNS fatigue, but it's actually the higher rep training. Yeah. So if you're doing a set of 20, you go all the way to failure 20. That's very fatiguing. For well, your body. I think people confuse it because when they think high reps, they think lightweight. They don't think heavyweight high reps. Well, when you're, you know, when you get into that 20, 25, 30 reps, um, and you, cause at that point, remember what we said earlier, you fatigue and so other fibers get caught in play, Yeah. but that is actually very fatiguing for your central nervous system. Even, so when you're doing sets of 30, then yeah. you get to where your brain is not as even as efficient as at the, at the creating contractions. but even with the, even with lightweight or is that just with heavyweight? No, that's with lightweight too. That's with lightweight too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because with, for a lightweight to work, you got to do a bazillion repetitions to get. Close no, to I know. 
I was thinking like when we leg press, you know, we'll leg press with like 10 plates aside, but we're still doing it for 20 reps. That and is that's just brutal. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's when I, when I think of CNS fatigue, that's what I think of. Yeah. Because if it was four plates on there for 20 reps, I wouldn't, but I guess if you're failing, you're going to 40 or 50. What, that, yeah. Let me clarify that. I yeah. meant to failure because yeah, 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 to failure. lightweight to failure, that whole argument our lightweights as goes heavyweights. That's predicated on the lightweights being taken into failure so that all the fibers are called into play. That's right. Yeah. But think yeah. about like, think about that in a workout. Like, let's say you're going to do sets of 25 and the 25th rep should be close to failure. Think about doing 10 sets like that. Yeah. That's I used, hard. I used to do that for legs. <laughs> that's hard, right? <laughs> oh no, that's not true. That's not true. Where, where 25 was failure. That was probably, I'd do three. It is hard. I would do three sets. Imagine like doing 10 sets like that. Yeah, no, I've never done that. Cause I would, build, so cause I would build draining. up to it. Yeah, it is. Right. And this is yeah. what I tell people. They're like, Oh, I can go lightweights. Okay. That's cool. You can, yeah. but let me see you do them all close to failure. Cause to that's failure. what you have to do with the lighter weights. That's right. That's when right. it's burning like fire, Yeah. you can't stop. You can't just say it burns. I'm stopping. You got to keep on going to failure. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. This is where like when Brad comes out with study and he's doing great work and he says, you can grow, you can grow off lightweights just the same as you can off heavyweights. He's right, but the actual application of it is almost impossible for most people to be able yeah. to, to to take those lightweights to failure set after set. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, Johnny. So when are we when are we starting this tomorrow? What's well, one twenty seven? I think uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say four p.m. today. <laughs> I gotta go train, so. I guess we're starting on fucking uh, starting my pre. I'm sorry, I keep swearing. I know you don't like going to swear. Starting my pre-workout meal uh, now. Really? Okay. I thought I was going to have a day to like get some food nah, in. Go ahead and enjoy yourself today, man. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I can uh, have a, have your 15 plates of sushi tonight that I know you like. Oh man, I I don't even have that kind of appetite anymore. You know that, eh? The worst thing. The worst thing I do now. The last time I had a binge, it was a large pizza. Which is not good. I know it's not good, but it used to be way worse than that. It used to be like that used to be your warm up. Yeah, there was like a large pizza. Then it was like brownies. Then it was ice cream. Then it was big thing of ice cream. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's definitely gone down. Anyway, uh, I've kept you longer than I, I wanted to, John. I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, I will start this right away. And um, are you going to shoot me over the training program? Yeah. When you have, whenever you have it ready. Yep. Okay, so. I'll wing it for now, but uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Cool. Maybe we'll give an update here for people every couple of weeks and see how things are going. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Okay, John. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye-bye.